Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think you got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody in the booth on a rainy Thursday. Boy, Seth giving the hard sell on that. NFL game tonight, huh? Was that sexy or what? One and seven versus one and six? Where do I sign up? We're contractually obligated to put that <laughs> on the radio tonight. To run the game. Who's call- I want to find out who's calling the game tonight. Howie Denneroff of Westwood One is in town, and Ian Eagle, who typically does the Thursday night game, is in town. So we could, if an NFL game broke out at Newhouse in about an hour, you could have you know a really finely crafted storyline. You could do a heck of a broadcast up there with... Mike Tirico, Ian Eagle, Beth Mowens, Dan Fouts expected uh, to be there today. We could really have some talent in the building. But uh, I'm upset I didn't get a chance to see Howard Denneroff speak, uh, the executive producer of Westwood One Westwood One has been at a lot of uh, big-time sporting events. He's produced the last 20 Super Bowls. He's been to something like this next one will be his 30th in a row. He's had to do the same amount of Final Fours too, right? Yeah. Close to it. Yeah, the Masters. That'd be fun. Product- I didn't ask him. Uh, I'll see him a little later. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask that. I'm sure he's asked a lot. The Masters to me would be awesome as a golf geek, but you're in a truck for 12 hours a day, five days a week. That might take a little bit of the fun away. You still get to be there and, and uh, soak it up and walk the course and that uh, kind of thing. But Our our pal Dave Pash did that one year. Mm-hmm. And I, when yeah, a lot was, of our friends have done that. Uh, but he said it was awesome just yeah. being on the hole oh, with sure, the remote, yeah. calling, calling the – the game or the yeah, Sean man. McDonough's yeah. Uh, been there. Andrew Catalan, Carter Blackburn, uh, a lot of those guys. And I'm and just sitting here doing the recent vintage. Yeah, you, you're looking at the the, I, the first two buttons there. Polly is the, the ones you want to hit. You got to slide those little doohickeys up. I worked with all of those people. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, keep those moving and try to keep the right mics on and the wrong ones off if you can possibly do that. See if we can do it up until 3 o'clock today. You can join us by phone at 315-437-7644 or 4ESPN44. The Cuse and Wake Saturday night. Uh, I keep saying Saturday night. you got to get used to that night game. It's not a night game this week. We had just the one in a row. But uh, this coming game is a nooner on the road Saturday. And then it's home for a Friday night game. Orange basketball last night. The Cuse uh, rolling Lemoyne as expected. And looking a lot as they did in the first with a couple of exceptions. First of all, LeMoyne really struggled early. Both teams were turning it over early. Syracuse wound up with just 13 turnovers. LeMoyne doubled that. That's a whole lot of turnovers, and obviously they weren't going to compete probably from the get-go anyway, but certainly not with uh, 26 turnovers. The pressure had something to do with that, but uh, LeMoyne helped uh, quite a bit, and the Syracuse defense, for the most part, was very good in the game. And they shot it well. You know, last year, I think we talked about this coming off the St. Rose game. Last year, the Orange had double-digit three-pointers in the game twice. Two times. And in the two exhibition games, granted, we understand the competition level and everything, they had 10 threes and nine. So 19 total in the two games. If they go on that kind of average, 
you know, a nine and a half, let's say, average of three pointers per game, only good things are going to come from that. They're super long. The defense has to be good just by how big they are. Although I thought it was a little concerning that Pascal Chuku early in the game twice let passes go twenty five feet from the top of the key and right by him. Uh, Barama Sadibe came in, same position, and a pass like that, he was at least able to deflect. Orange had a dozen steals and did a lot of things right. Tyus Battle taking over the point guard duties out of necessity. He obviously will eventually be phased out of that once Frank Howard and Jalen Carey are healthy and ready to go, but was cleaner last night. Five assists, no turnovers. Went right to the basket, had an impressive dunk. And uh, not his role, but uh, things will come for him, and he'll actually profit. He'll be better in the regular season than he was in the exhibitions when he can get off the ball a little bit. Elijah Hughes is probably the talk of the fan base right now for what he has been able to do. And with his 40 points total in the two exhibition games, uh, he has looked very good, and uh, they're doing all of this with you know, a couple players injured. So that's how I saw it from my side of the court there. Paulie, anything we missed? What was Coach Sadlin's uh, takeaway last night? Uh, there was a, He was basically, this is a good game for players that uh, to, to set themselves in stone where they're going to be, and he was, Elijah Hughes was, he was he's right. a big... Big fan of Elijah. Yeah, why wouldn't you be? And I think, you know, we'll go over time. We'll get to know Elijah a little bit better, and we'll kind of go back and and look through some of these things. But he did not set himself apart statistically in his previous stop. To me, I've been telling people who asked, you know, what what do you think from Elijah? The best thing I can say for him, aside from what we've seen here, that, you know, he's obviously – physically capable and uh, looks to have a lot of talent. We've seen him play hard and shoot it and practice and all those things. That's all great. But you look at his track record, you know, he averaged, I think it was 1.7 points a game or something in East Carolina. But he, against their biggest opponents, against Cincinnati, against Connecticut, he had big games. He went for better than 20 against those teams. So he can ball. And Would you put this on a Wesley Johnson level that he could come in and no. score at that rate? Be the conference player of the year? Well, oh yeah, but could he could he carry a team? No. No? Doesn't right. have to. You aren't, gonna, you aren't even going to find that out. He's got too many other weapons to carry anything this year. Next year will be his. Con- what do you Next th- year you're going to need name tags. You're going to drop uh, 10 points a game for us? Who, is Elijah going to yeah. score 10 points a game? Yeah. Oh, 100%. All right. Just trying to get Is a that feel. Wesley Johnson lead the no, team? No, no, uh, no. I'm just trying to get a feel. You're just setting you, the I'm you're to, setting the ceiling. I'm trying to ceiling see, and floor. Yeah, I'm trying to see where you would rank him amongst players that are, that have come to the program. Uh, we'll see about that. Give us a little uh, a little time and a little track record. Is he going to be one of these uh, exhibition game all stars? You, you know that has the big game and then doesn't really follow it up for a year or two. I don't think so. I think he's going to. Be impactful right from the start. He's not Syracuse's best player, though, and um, that's a good thing. You know, right now they roll. They played well. They would have beaten a lot of teams these last couple of nights. So forget about it being against Division Two opponents. And O'Shea Brissett is an absolute beast, and Tyus Battles really, really good. Coming off a very good sophomore season, Battles' numbers will go down a little bit. They have to. Uh, he won't play quite as many minutes, and. He'll be on the scouting report, and he's got other options and and all of that. But uh, this is a pretty good-looking team here, and I, I think people are justifiably excited for what's ahead.
We'll talk uh, Syracuse football today. Why don't we actually get to Coach Beheim's uh, comment from last night first, Polly, on really what we just addressed there about battle. He's been filling in at the point guard position. That's not really where his uh, skills are going to naturally take him. He might be better off for it, having uh, played a couple of games like that. Uh, certainly he's going to do what the team needs, and he's best suited among the healthy players to play that position. And he went from a 1-for-10 shooting performance and kind of uneven that uh, first time out against St. Rose to last night, five assists, no turnovers. Tyus was much better tonight. You know, five assists, no turnovers. I thought he did a really good job. We shot the ball pretty good. That's the way I think we can shoot it. Our defense after the slow start was very good. We were very active. Got our hands on a lot of balls. Overall, again, these two games have been good for us because we've had an opportunity for Ties to have to play the point. You know, we don't know what's going to happen next week with the point guard position. We're just going to have to wait and see. We won't know anything until probably right about game time next week. So we'll just see how the health of the point guards uh, is over the next few days. But at least now we've had two games where we've played uh, Tyus handling the ball and doing stuff there. So it's, that's that's good for us. So you know, hopefully we'll see who's ready next week. And who's ready could be Frank Howard, Jalen Carey, the combination of the two. One of those guys has got to be, I don't know, ready necessarily for Tuesday, but uh, that doesn't matter a ton and then there's another game on Saturday of next weekend so that's where they are and Battle had seven points in the first game against St. Rose last night uh, a bit more productive uh, not really himself yet and, and again doesn't need to be when a lot of other things are popping he had 13 points five assists no turnovers two steals and 28 minutes of action last night and uh, I think Coach Sadlin said it best off that first exhibition is that uh, Tyus ought to be over at uh, the house of Frank Howard, <laughs> and I guess Jalen Carey too, but uh, Frank's the senior, and hey, buddy, let's go get back in there let's, and uh, aiding the recovery process because uh, certainly it'll help battle. But it, uh, So there'll be another person or two to uh, spread the minutes around, but uh, right now this team looks loaded and exciting and fun to watch. We'll uh, spend some time on Wake Forest today. When we come back, we'll hear some thoughts from their coach, Dave Clawson, Later in the show, Stan Cotton, our Wake Forest counterpart, the play-by-play announcer on the Wake Forest IMG Sports Network, will join us later in the program. We'll get up to speed on the Deeks as we roll along on this rainy Thursday here in central New York. You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio here in Syracuse, brought to you by... Bugs Be Gone and CH Insurance. As we uh, continue along, you can join us by phone at 437-7644 or 4ESPN44. I'll tell you what, CH Insurance, they're in your ponied corner. up. They're in your corner. They're all the way through basketball season. So Is that right? Yeah. They're, they're right there in our corner. Yeah. Awesome. We should make a little corner for them here in the <laughs> palatial studios of Galaxy Worldwide. They're good people over there at CH Insurance. Basketball fans, golfers. I'm surprised you haven't heard Bugs Be Gone to take me out. That's right. Well, you're a little bit bigger than a bed bug, but it might I'm be within their it might be within their realm of expertise. 
certainly in that pest uh, category. I like that. Do we care? Coming up, some good topics uh, from Tommy today to hit on there. Let's walk through some of the sound we have from Dave Clawson. You can hear it in full on our pregame show come Saturday when the Orange take on Wake on the road. We'll be on TK99. This portion, if you're a Dave Clawson fan, will be around 1130 on uh, Saturday morning. Dave Clawson's from upstate New York, Youngstown, New York. He was a high school teammate of Moose Johnston and has been a very good coach throughout his career in building programs. You look at the records before he took over, and then not his first year. Nobody's great in their first year generally, but then the next couple of years after that at uh, Fordham and Richmond and Bowling Green and Wake Forest, he has made an impact. We thought a, a good starting point for him would be talking about rebuilding and what he sees from Syracuse in a coach in Dino Babers who followed Clawson, took over what he had started at Bowling Green. Babers uh, goes about it a little bit of a different way, but there are some similarities that we'll get into as well. Here's Clawson on the Oranges rebuild. They've built it the right way. He played a lot of young guys. I mean, this is Dungy's fourth year as a starter. He's been playing Mo Neal since his freshman year. They have three fifth-year senior uh, offensive linemen. You know, you graduate guys like Ishmael and Phillips, and then you have another group of guys like Curtis and Riley and Harris who step up and become playmakers. And it's about recruiting to a system and developing players. The one thing that they're doing that's very impressive is is just the turnover margin. I mean, Syracuse has been a very good team the last two years, but turned it over and didn't get turnovers. And now this year, they're plus nine. It, it's hard not to win when you're plus nine. And they've done a great job of that, of taking care of the football. And I think they've really made super improvements on defense. Uh, they, they look so much more stout, and they rush the passer, and they cover better. It's just overall a very improved football team in every facet. Well, the Orange are productive enough on offense that if they get enough possessions, they're going to put up points. If they get significantly more possessions than you, really, to me, the, the biggest storyline for Syracuse football this year Yes, they're playing a little bit better on offense and defense, but because of the turnover margin, they have more possessions than you. And because of special teams, they have better field position than you. And because of their kicker, they've been getting points even in drives that don't result in the end zone. So that's how they've been leading the ACC in scoring and putting up 44 points a game and all of that. But I thought people would find that interesting, like what Clawson felt about how Syracuse has gone about it here and the way the Orange are playing better, and that was his explanation of it. As for what he sees more in the realm of a scouting report, here he is on the Orange's offensive personnel. He has a, a really good quarterback. Uh, they really have two of them. Um, and guys like Sean Riley and, and Custis – uh, and Todd Harris and Devin Butler and all these guys are really good receivers, but what makes them even more dangerous is the fact that Mo Neal and Strickland are playing so well and that they're running the ball well. And what that does is it really stretches a defense. And uh, so we're a lot of our principles attack are very similar to Syracuse, that we try to spread people out, and if we do, we can run the ball. And if people try to take away the run, we get rid of it quickly. So teams go about playing – Offense here the same way for the most part. I think Dino Babers is a little bit more of a uh, – he's closer to the original, if you want to say that, in terms of his time studying and working with Art Bryles and then, uh, you know, in 
college coaching and a pro coaching for that matter. There's a lot of swapping ideas and copycatting and that type of thing. So these teams go about it in a similar way. You notice there that the one player whose first name that an opposing coach, in this case Dave Clawson, throws out is Mo Neal, not just because it uh, is easy and rolls off the tongue, but Neal's a former Wake Forest recruit. He's from Gastonia, North Carolina, down near Charlotte, and so Clawson's aware of him. Neal uh, had been you know, in the mix at running back with Dante Strickland. He had been kind of the lead guy for two games in a row. It was so much of a passing game plan against NC State that uh, Neal took a back seat to Dante Strickland, who is a bit better of a pass protector, and uh, that could change this week depending on uh, the types of plays they want to call and the game plan in their approach against the Demon Deacons. With Wake Forest's offensive tempo of late, it's been go, go, go to build a lead, dial it back when you have the lead. Dino Babers will tell you, yeah, that's the point. And uh, when you become a mature offense, you're able to control the game. We like to go with different tempos, and I think part of it is managing the game. That If we have a lead in the second half or the the fourth quarter, it doesn't make sense for us to go 100 miles an hour um, and give another team potentially more possessions to allow them to catch up. So um, we've always done that. Um, We've always utilized tempo, but we don't live with tempo. So should be lots of possessions, lots of points scored, I would imagine, in this game on Saturday. This should be a lot of fun. Hopefully no hurricane. Have you checked that out yet, Polly, since you drive? Uh, No hurricane this year. Okay. Last time I went, we had a set. This is the most useless story. I had a set up before you guys got there, and I got so wet that while I was waiting for you guys to show up, I had to take my shirt off and hang it on the heater in the press room. And I wasn't the only person there that had to do it. There was multiple people in the press room who had taken uh. their shirts off and hung them on the heater to dry off after uh, being out in Hurricane Michael, was it? Uh, I believe it was Michael. Sounds right. Wasn't that Matthew? Was that a Matthew? Matthew, Michael, yeah, might have been. Luke, John, Mark. One of, Mark in there. <laughs> one of the early ones. <laughs> it's an Old Testament hurricane. Uh, okay, well, that's more information than I needed to know. Is that a ghost from the Halloween party that yeah, just blew just the uh, studio the door, door open? open yeah. You can feel quite a breeze. It's kind of uh, stuffy in here when that door is closed and we there's a draft that uh, comes through when the door is open. We will open the door to Tommy Hogan here in just a bit for Do We Care? Phone lines are open if you'd like to join us there at 315-437-7644. Should be a good crowd over at Press Room Pub again tonight as the 6-2 and two Orange have been home for two in a row and set to take the road. Dino Babers will be joined by uh, defensive backs coach Nick Monroe who will uh, join us as the uh, special guest of Coach Babers over there tonight. So all good things happening with Orange football didn't have to shut the door there, Tommy. That wasn't a directive. We can we could step up and shut the door from here if we wanted it shut. You could leave it that way. But, uh, I don't Tommy's think the sales are, people want to hear us. Oh, that's probably it. Don't they have a radio on? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably it. Can't talk over classic rock, though. Yes. Well, that was on in the break room there, TK99, rocking it out. All right, back with Do We Care when we continue. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. The Denver Nuggets declined to use a team option for Tyler Lydon's third year of his contract. So I know a lot of people now will, or a lot of fans will bring up, did Tyler Lydon leave Syracuse too early? Why did, 
why would today's news have anything to do with that would be my question. Unless, is that because the the clock wouldn't have started another year? Uh, I really get sensitive about this one when it comes up because, first of all, it's not up to fans. Second, you don't have the choice, so don't hate on him for doing it. Third, it's a no-brainer that when you have a chance to be picked as high as he was picked, you go. And I know you want him on your team. I wanted him to stay. It would have been great if he was on this team another year. But he wants to go live his dream. And it's not for us to say when it's right and when it's wrong. And the biggest thing I always point out when people talk about this, you're making a mistake assuming that staying in college another year helps somebody's draft stock. It doesn't always. It often does, but it's not always. And with Tyler Lydon, what more was he going to do in a year that was going to advance his draft position appreciably? Okay, what did he get picked, like 21? 24. 24. So if the next year he'd gone 17, would that have been great? Would that have been like worth putting it off for a whole year? It's a limited earning window that these guys have. They want to get it started. I don't blame them at all. It worked out pretty darn well for him. If he never plays another day in the NBA, it worked out okay for him. Uh, chances are he will play another day in the NBA. And But what I'm getting at, too, is there's no guarantee that it would have worked out any better had he stayed here another year. And, uh, you know, we would have enjoyed it more. He would have had a you know, little more college memory, and Syracuse would have been better for another year with him. But I don't uh, fault these guys when they leave. I'm trying to figure out how much he made. He made one... 1.5 last year, and this year's contract was three. So I don't know how much of that he would have, how much he's losing out of his contract. So he would have had to jump up 10 spots to get into the lottery. And that, and I don't know if that would have been possible in, with another year. Right. And the problem with, and, and I would say that the typical player that we've seen go, go through here, and Lydon's in the category of a guy who, what, was he a surefire pro when he came out of high school? Heck no. But he developed in his time here. He had a very good, fun, exciting-to-watch college career. He got better. He played himself into an NBA prospect. And this is how it played out. That's in that category of players that's short of the complete studs. You know, Bear, I don't know about Williamson, but Barrett. These guys that are going to, you know, just are automatic, can't miss uh, NBA guys. The couple guys that were Duke last year, okay? Bagley, uh, those guys, DeAndre Ayton. These guys are just complete beasts. Um, Set them aside. Everybody else, it's hard to make it in the NBA. There's somebody just like that guy coming on. I always use uh, James Sutherland as an example. James Sutherland's a pretty good player. He's been just good enough to hang around on 10-day contracts, on being the last cut, on whatever. Well, among the reasons he hasn't made it is there's another James Sutherland coming off the assembly line every 10 minutes. And to be somebody who's there and sticks there is uh, really a, a rare thing. And uh, I think you got to go when you can, take your best shot, Ride it out for as long as you can to get to as many checks as you can, and I don't fault anybody for the way they play it out. Three and a half mil. Good decision. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. That goes a long way in whatever that name of the small town is. Not Elizabeth, Elizaville. He's not not necessarily done. He's just going to be an unrestricted free agent, you know, and he's on a team that 
he wasn't going to get a shot because they have a ton of forwards. So, and he's a stretch four, which is what you need in the NBA. Maybe he could play a five with how the NBA has gotten smaller. So he really does still fit the mold of, of a, a good NBA player. He just has to stay healthy. I know he was hurt for a lot of last year. Just has to stay healthy and, and might be able to find his spot next year with a different team. Uh, Detroit Lions head coach Matt Patricia. He asked a reporter that was asking him a question to sit up, have better posture, and, quote, have more respect for the process. Yeah, it's crazy. I would, had I not seen the video, I would probably be right with Matt Patricia on this. Now, I still haven't seen the video of the guy asking the question, nor will we, nor does it really matter. The reason this is funny and interesting for a lot of people is that Matt Patricia looks slovenly. He came from Bill Belichick, who wears the hoodie. Matt hasn't shaven in forever, even now that he's the head coach of Detroit, which actually blows my mind. I can't believe that he didn't shave when getting that promotion uh, from defensive coordinator to a head coach. He wears the hat backwards on the field and that type of thing. So Matt, I I know Matt well enough and know his background to know this guy knows right from wrong. He knows the right way. I think his head was in the right place. He didn't think this through in terms of the example he sets. And so I could see where he's coming from. He probably wanted to say that, but all these newsmakers, all these people that stand at podiums, and I would love to help coach up some of them, you just got to stop it. You can't tell the media what to do. Just don't do it. There's nothing to be gained, especially not when you do it publicly. Uh, don't antagonize the media. It's just they don't work for you. I, I understand where he's coming from, but um, very, very poor judgment on, on Patricia's part, kind of a, a lapse in judgment, I would say, to uh, to throw that out there to chan- challenge the media in that way, I'm pretty sure he did shave the the beard for his introductory. But uh, but it's still he just back tamed it a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah, mean, yeah. And he he wore the backwards hat when he got thrashed week one against the Jets. I think he stopped that. But yeah, still just not a. He's not quite the model for, pro- for professionalism himself. No, and, and he that's that's the thing. He is more than he looks. Sure. But people do make conclusions based on. The way you look. We talk about that uh, all the time. I think Matt does the right thing. You look at how he's assembled his staff and Paul Pasqualoni and all those types of people. Those are buttoned up professional people. Um, and I don't really fault Matt for having that position, you know, and even for him being a little sloppy, you know, that I'm surprised he does that. It's not my cup of tea. But largely, I would say to anybody who's giving a press conference or does it regularly, is in the news all the time. He sort of dodged a bullet in terms of the news uh, before the season started and all of that. Um, Don't pick fights with the media in that way. Even if he really meant it and wanted to work with that person, he could have done it uh, sort of on the side or off the record uh, a little more quietly. But he was obviously bothered by something else, and he he picks a little fight, and it it, uh, does not look good for him. And he's learning. You know, being a head coach is a, a different animal he probably learned from the wrong guy in a lot of respects, depending on how you look at it, in uh, in Bill Belichick. So, all right, thank you, Tommy. When we come back, we will be joined by Stan Cotton, the voice of the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, as we roll along in our preview of the matchup for Saturday. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio, brought to you by CH Insurance and Bugsby Garn. Good to have you with us. No show tomorrow as we travel to beautiful Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And then back on Monday to talk uh, recap of this Syracuse-Wake Forest game. But let's get the preview from our friend Stan Cotton of the Wake Forest IMG Sports Network. Hello, Stan. How are you? Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Good, man. 
Do you know that uh, West Durham is our guest on Monday? As uh, long as he remembers. I talked with uh, West a few days ago, getting ready to call the game Saturday. And uh, he'll be a good guest. He always is, right? He's, He's got a great. good story all the time. That's right. I'll spin a yarn of, of some kind. <laughs> He's going to be our first yeah. ever three-time guest. That's a big – it's like uh, it's like when Steve Martin hosted uh, SNL. Well, it's, we, we have a belt he's our and Joan everything. Rivers. <laughs> you know, he's he's our go-to man. So uh, looking he's, forward he's, to it. He's he's a perfect go-to guy. That's right. Um, just, he's never uh, turned you down, right? I'm sorry. He's never turned you down. Uh, this one was a little squirrely. I think we had talked about an earlier day in the week, and then you know he's busy, I'm busy, whatever. We just kind of punted. But well, oh, Monday well. Monday's a good day because there'll be lots to to rehash. Yeah, we probably yeah. won't get into the Falcons Redskins game too much, but I would imagine we'll get into this uh, Syracuse no, well, football that game. That won't be a very good game. So no, but uh, but on Saturday Monday, we ought to yeah. have one. Uh, just to, for the record, should we be bracing for a hurricane on this trip or not? I think we've kind of dodged that bullet, haven't we? Gosh, I hope not. What was it, uh, Matthew? Last time, yeah. yeah, a couple of years ago, uh, and you know we've we've had a couple this year. So I think hopefully uh, hurricane season is over and, and we can just get down and play some ball. Very good. Looking forward to it. And Wake is coming off a fifty-six point showing against Louisville. Was uh, that as big of a story as it appeared from afar? The uh, Matthew Colburn personal uh, tour de force uh, against the Cardinals there, and uh, what a game he had. Yeah, I mean he 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 went for a bunch, two forty three, and and uh, you know three touchdowns. Yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot was made of the fact that you know Louisville had offered him a scholarship and then pulled it a couple of days beforehand. And Matthew never made a whole lot about it really. Now I think he enjoyed the game. Don't get me wrong, uh, especially running down uh, seventy five yards in front of their bench. Uh, and into the end zone for one of his one of his three touchdowns. So I, you know, I'm sure he enjoyed the day, but he, he's a real good kid, and I don't think he really he didn't say much about it before the game. And, and a lot of people were asking him about it after the game, but that's really not kind of his mo. But you know, it's, it's a pretty good story anyway, huh? Sure is. He had touchdowns of 74, 56, and 12 yards. The running back of the week in the ACC had a big game against the the Orange last year. Cade Carney's been right there with him. This year, Stan, their numbers are almost identical. So that's yeah. been a heck of a one-two punch. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Kate had 83 yards against uh, Louisville. He's averaging over five yards a carry, five touchdowns. Big, strong kid, uh, and one of the captains. He, he's a great guy to have in the locker room. And you're right. He and Colburn together, uh, pretty tough to handle. They're at roughly 1,200 yards, something like that. Just a little bit under that for the year, uh, and both averaging over five yards. So pretty good one-two punch, and uh, they give you know Wake a pretty good, uh, pretty good smack into the line. They they Rushed for almost 368 as a team Wake did last week, so that was a season high, and you know that helps when you can balance things out. That that really helps a lot. Catch us up, Stan, if you would, at the quarterback position on just what's going on there. You know, John Wolford was such a mainstay for a long mm-hmm. time. Kendall Hinton uh, at times was going to look like it was going to overtake him, and that didn't work out. And I know he's had some disciplinary stuff, and and now it's uh, a true freshman in Sam Hartman. Hartman. 
Yeah, Kendall was kind of, you know, he was like the heir apparent, right, to uh, John Walford, and he was scheduled to be the starter when fall camp began, but then he got in some trouble, and, and uh, Dave Clawson suspended him for the first three games, so then it became a competition between Hartman, a true freshman, and Jamie Newman, big, tall, redshirt sophomore, North Carolina native, and, and Hartman uh, won the job. I mean, Newman in the second scrimmage got kind of dinged up, and I really think Sam Hartman was ahead of Newman anyway, but Hartman wins the job, and He's done a really nice job in, in running the offense. He hasn't been perfect, but again, he's a true freshman. He, he went, went, under, went through spring practice, so he you know he had that under his belt. But I really think he's uh, probably the quarterback of the future for the Deeks. I mean, he'll remind Syracuse fans a lot of of uh, John Wolford. Now, he's not where John Wolford uh, was this time last year, but uh, Dave Lawson says that Hartman is ahead of where John Wolford was when he was a freshman, when Wolford was a freshman. So I think that speaks well to Hartman and his future, and I think he is the guy. And, uh, you know, he, he's got a really high football IQ, Matt. I mean, he just he gets it. I mean, he's one of those guys kind of like Wolford, kind of, uh, uh, you know, people will understand the, the term Jim Rat. I mean, he watches all kinds of film. He's first to practice, uh, the last one out, all those kinds of things. Uh, and as a freshman, has gained a whole lot of respect uh, in the locker room. So he's a tough kid. I mean, he gets hit and he keeps getting up. And so I think he's, he's the perfect guy to, to have at that spot. And I'd, I'd be shocked if anybody got that away from him. We're visiting with Stan Cotton, our Wake Forest counterpart. Uh, Hartman, so far this season, has completed 55% of his passes, uh, 14 touchdowns and seven picks in uh, eight games. Wake Forest is 4-4 four and four with a 1-3 and three conference record. That matchup uh, between Wake and Louisville going in was two teams without a conference win, and so that's still the case for uh, UofL, who comes to the Carrier Dome next week. On defense, a uh, change with the coordinator fired. Stan, uh, four games into the season. How did that all go down? And uh, that I don't want to think the word is controversial. It just seems like that's kind of jarring. Um, you don't often see midseason coaching changes, and I would imagine at Wake that's especially rare. It is rare, and it's certainly rare for Dave Clawson. Uh, he said, you know, in his 19 years uh, as as a head coach, that's the, the first time uh, that's happened, and it, and it came on the heels of, of of Wake's loss to Clemson, 63 to three at home, and and Dave just felt that Wake was not making really good progress and having kids lined up properly and all those kinds of things, and and he just felt for, for the. Uh, you know, for the betterment of the team, that he had to make a switch, and still hasn't named a true coordinator. He's got a couple of coaches kind of sharing that duty, and he feels a whole lot better with how things have gone. Now, it certainly hasn't been perfect. Wake's been giving up some yards and points, uh, but he feels a whole lot better. Coach Clawson does about you know where the players are, the assignments, they understand them, they're communicating better, all those types of things. So he thinks they're making incremental progress uh, and going in the right direction. So yeah, it was it was a jolt and, and unlike Dave Clawson but you know he just said look I, you, you got to do what you got to do and sometimes that, that, that means making tough decisions and, and he was prepared to do it and he pulled the trigger and I, I think he feels that it was the right still the right thing to do. He told us uh, earlier in the week that he feels like as you said lining up has gone better self-inflicted wounds or explosive plays have trended in the right direction for Wake Forest uh, they are 
among the worst teams in the country so far this year at allowing uh, big plays by the opposition. Mm. Syracuse, uh, one of the better offensive teams uh, in terms of explosive plays. So running out of time here, Stan, anything else? Uh, basketball, we're just kind of scanning over the, the schedule there, and uh, looks like things start off a little friendly for the Deeks. Well, we hope so. I mean, we we thought that was the same a year ago, and 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 we couldn't win one early. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I was looking at last year's scores, uh, and of course, Syracuse beat Wake in, uh, in the ACC tournament, seventy three to sixty four. And I'm wondering how how much different the football score might be come <laughs> Saturday, uh, the way the Orange and, and the Deeks are throwing it around the lot. So, uh, but but basketball does start for Wake in an exhibition game uh, tomorrow night, and then the regular season opens with North Carolina A and T on the 10th. Ten new bodies on oh this team for Coach Danny Manning. You know, a lot of times that, that doesn't um, that doesn't bode well, uh, and, and we'll see. There's some talent, his uh, freshman class, and there are some uh, grad transfers sprinkled in, but the freshman class very highly regarded, but you know, Matt, you know, it's hard to win with youngsters in the ACC, so we'll see how the non-conference goes. Wake's got, you know, some tough teams in there. Tennessee, a top 10 Tennessee team is in the mix, and uh, so we'll, we'll see, but uh, uh, you know, the ACC regular season, it could be tough, but uh, hopefully those 10 kids will, uh, you know, grow some scar tissue and be tough and grizzled and ready to go. We'll see. Sounds good. At least you're not in a league with seven teams in the top 22. So, <laughs> All right, Stan, uh, good stuff. Uh, fire us up off air if you need anything else, and uh, otherwise we'll see you on Saturday morning. All right, safe travels, guys. Thank you. All right, that's the great Stan Cotton of the Wake Forest. Belmont Abbey. IMG Sports Network. Belmont Abbey in an exhibition game. You don't just take on the fighting Crusaders, the the they, Abbey, the yeah, the, they're they're knights or something. Knights, I'm going yeah. by pictures. They also play Houston Baptist, which you don't yeah, play. HBU. Longest show ever here, man. It was. It went a little over time. That's all right. Just more goodness for the people. We'll be back with the show on Monday, game day Saturday. Hope you enjoy it. Noon start. We'll be home earlier from a noon road game than we will be from the uh, previous weekend's uh, Saturday night primetime game. So good stuff. Safe travels there, Polly. Dino Baber's show with Nick Monroe, the special guest tonight at Press Room Pub. See you over there in just a little bit. That one starts at 7 o'clock tonight right here on ESPN Radio.